Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast where we talk to your favorite actors, uh, comedians from film and television, music, comedy, anywhere pop culture hangs out, you will find us there waiting to talk to somebody. And today, I have a very special guest. I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, We are talking with comedian Drew Lynch, who has a brand new special, Out Concussed, which is hilarious. I mean, you're just funny no matter what, <laughs> even on your social media, whatever you do. I, I appreciate you, and uh, I'm excited to chat. Drew, welcome into the show. It's great to have you. Thanks, Brett. That's such a nice intro. It's very true. Um, I've been a fan and a follower for a long time, um, You know, even prior to your time on AGT and all of that stuff. But I want to talk about this special, uh, which is available for people to stream. And if you haven't you need to um let's talk about this because you know every comic every comedian kind of has their approach and their way of doing things and so let's talk about the special and sort of what your preparation was for it and kind of what people can expect if they haven't had the opportunity to to watch it yet oh boy um sure i i usually uh I don't know that I have a very linear approach to uh, comedy, I guess. I Especially with the last year perspective of uh, existential, uh, <laughs> uh, the end of it all, you know. Uh, so it was kind of a shot in the dark approach um, because there were a lot of venues that weren't really allowing performers or comics or musicians really of, of any kind so for me I had to develop a lot of the stuff that I guess I was talking about just in quarantine or just kind of talking to myself or to my fiance or whatever just I, you kind of forget what's funny or what could be something to uh, address and you know, for years, I think I've always talked about my issues with my speech and how that has affected my, um, you know, my life. Uh, but for for the most part, I think everybody was in the same boat and that we all experienced the same thing. So I thought that that was maybe a good place to start when, when writing. And then it just kind of branched off into a bunch of other... <laughs> um, maybe random and maybe hot button or controversial stuff. So I, 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 I don't really know that there was a theme to this one other than, uh, uh, I'm, uh, other than just calling things like they were for this past year. Yeah. I mean, I always think <laughs> it's interesting because I mean, I've spoken to a lot of comedians, amazing comedians like yourself and, 
I always find it fascinating to to hear the process. I think that's what I find the most interesting, if that makes any sense. Because if I come see you live, say here in the Bay Area at a comedy club, and I watch you perform, you know, it might be working on new material, or it could be, you know, you've got a special coming up, or whatever you're doing, and you're you do a lot of amazing crowd work. That's the other thing that I like about you is how you interact with the crowd because you do very well at that. You're, you do. I think a lot of people, when they come see a comic, they kind of have this expectation if that makes any sense to sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, I won't want to say the word heckled, but um, to just be played around with, that sounded weird. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you just, it's, it's a fun exchange, right? Like if I'm going to sit in the front row it's almost like an unwritten contract that says there's a good chance I'm going to get picked out and we're going to have a conversation. So I, I like that. And then I see this, but then when I see you like doing, especially even though there's not necessarily a linear theme, it all seems to meld together and make sense. If that, you know what I mean? And that's what I get from your comedy a lot of the time, if not all of it for sure. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, it, I don't know about heckling. I don't know. I I usually don't engage with people unless they're engaging with me and it's it's almost never confrontational. It's no. usually it's usually just in good fun, but I don't I don't want people to feel like just because they're sitting up in the front row that that's that that I don't want them to think that just because they're sitting in the front row that they will be messed with or harassed. You know, that's, that's a, that's, I don't know. Well, I think, I think the great comics are the ones who can make it lighthearted. Or if there is ever a time where they want to address somebody in the front, uh, they are making it just uh, innocuous. It's very just, you know, casual or, or with, with no intention. Uh, but, um, but yeah, uh, but the but who knows? That was just born. That's just a defense mechanism, I think. For me, I think I got, I think I got very insecure or self conscious when I first started out. I was always worried that people were thinking about the way I was. Um, were thinking about the way I was talking, or 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 I used to at a very early in some comedy people used to heckle me for the wrong reasons because my my stutter then was so bad and now it's gotten so uh now it's gotten so much better um so it used to just be i it used to just have this projection that i would put on to a situation now because of how i was treated then so i almost have to like untrain myself from the way that people might have made me feel about my insecurity um, uh, and try not to bring that sort of prejudice or preconceived notion into what is otherwise almost always just innocence and fun and, and all, you know, meant to be just a, a lighthearted experience. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, anybody likes to be made fun of in life but it's interesting especially when people i've watched some of your clips that you post on instagram and you always handle things very well even if someone is just being absolutely absurd <laughs> you always win the crowd 
I think, you know, unless I, and then you get them back and, you know, or whatever the case might be. I forget my point here, but it's a good experience. <laughs> and I think that's what makes you so popular with fans and people alike is because, you know, regardless of how the situation may or may not turn out, people always seem to have a good time. You know, I think when you were here, I don't want to say, I say recently up in Sacramento at the punchline, you know, I had the opportunity to watch you. Um, and I, it, it's just, it's fun watching you operate because I think the skill set that comedians have is just so different than any other kind of art form for me, at least from my perspective. Um, when you, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, I'm very curious when you first started out and were doing this comedy and, and stand up. What were some of the challenges that you faced to sort of kind of find your voice and go, okay, this is who I'm going to be? Did you watch other comics and have people that you observed that you looked up to? Or was it a situation where you just kind of decided to dive in and start and sort of just see what happens with this idea of, of stand-up comedy? That's a really good question. I always watched stand-up. Growing up, I watched like Chappelle. I watched... Ron White, I watched Ellen and Louie and uh, Bill Engvall. Like, I watched a lot of it, but uh, I watched Dane. I, I watched a lot of it, um, but never never from the perspective or with the intention of, I guess, analyzing it, because I never wanted to be a stand-up. And, you know... It wasn't until I wasn't getting hired anywhere in Los Angeles as an actor because of my concussion that I started to talk on stage about it and kind of regain control of my life. Like that's what I needed at that time was to maybe not just to not feel so uh, helpless in my situation. And that was the only way I felt like I had some control again. And I want to say that I didn't even know how to write a joke. And then I read, I think like the comedy Bible by, by Judy Carter. And she was talking about target assumptions and a, a sentence starting one way. And then at the end it goes somewhere else. And, you know, I just kind of translated that. It took me forever to grasp that concept, but I I took that concept and I tried to apply it to word economy and how slow my voice used to be. And I used to just get like a word document and I would write the first part of something I wanted to say. And then I would put an ellipsis and then I would put like the last word or the last two words. And then you could change those two words. And it sometimes changes the entire context of a joke or of a sentence or um, or any of that. And and I think in a way because I had because people had such a short attention span when it came to suffering maybe through what I was saying, I think that that maybe forced me to try and sharpen every single word. Everything that wasn't needed, you lose it. And the mechanics of stand-up and I, a structure of joke is what kind of led me somewhere it didn't it didn't it didn't ever start to get like a point of view uh until i someone told me that i should 
uh, uh, get a stronger point of view for what I was saying. So I don't know, if that, you know, I don't know. Like I just kind of fell into it and found my way. And um, I just honestly, sometimes some days I still don't even know what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll, 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 I'll remind myself that it's okay to have a really silly joke as well as having one that could uh, make an impact for what would otherwise be humanitarian or controversial or whatever. And then something you can have something that's so absurd that uh, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a joke that that would abide by any level of structure. So I guess the freedom of expressing yourself in any given way has been the thing that has guided me through whatever is written next. I find that so fascinating, Drew, because you just kind of dissecting what you just said. And I say this all the time with all the comedians, some that you've mentioned I've had on the podcast, had the honor to talk to. And it really is a skill set, like writing a joke you know, I have a seven-year-old and he tells knock-knock jokes all day long without any kind of thought or, you know, sometimes they make absolutely no sense, but they're funny to him because he's seven. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, why did the chicken cross the road? I don't know. Why? Because he wanted to go to the restaurant. It's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But you know what I mean? So it's funny, but word economy and target assumption, those are buzzwords that are in a toolkit for a comic you know some people go up on stage and they just talk and then if something sticks to the wall then great they're gonna do that or some people write everything down word for word I don't know everybody's got their method but at the end of the day the product is the same right it's either it turns into a special or maybe a comedy album like you take a Doug Benson who for a large part of his act reads tweets and it's people mm -hmm. die laughing and it's like mm -hmm you know, what works for one may not work for other. But again, going back to the special concuss, when I watched it a few times, I could see like I could inside of your brain kind of because you do talk about yourself, you know, but not in a self-deprecating sort of way. And, and there's a little bit of that. And if you go back and watch what you've done maybe 10 years ago to now, it's it's different, markedly different, not that one's you know, better than the other necessarily. It's just all funny. Like it's great, but you can see the trajectory of, of however you've decided to go about writing. Um, when you are coming up with new jokes, I know, you know, like we talked about this last year was insane, but prior to that, do you spend a lot of time when you're at a club? Like how much is like greatest hits versus like maybe uh -huh. trying like, new stuff and do you kind of weave it all together or how what is your secret sauce if you want to yeah, share that, that no that's there's really no secret i think it like you just said you know every comic has their own approach to how they want to do something and um i'll see some comics who are around la and they go up and they just do the hits all the time. Like there, there are guys who are younger guys who are older, uh, who will just go up and they just like, they will just do the stuff that they know that works. And there is an, there is a respect that I have for doing that because if that doesn't kill your soul, then that's, then you, then you have quite an impenetrable spirit. I mean, that's amazing. 
But to me, that kind of sucks out all of the joy of growth and trying. And, you know, you have to try and push yourself. So I guess, you know, if you want to try to, you might want to do something up, up, up top that maybe lets the audience know that you know what you're doing. And then you try to work something in the middle where you're like, all right, this is the stuff that I'm working on. And, uh, and maybe try to make that as seamless as possible from the first part to the middle part. And then maybe if you want to close strong, I guess there's also that expectation, but I don't know. It's, it, if if you see comedians there's a certain i think there's a certain seasoned nature to there's like a there's like a certain seasoned gravitas to to going on stage and still being able to have the attention of the room even though not everything you're saying is is like a a, a knock out of the park kind of kind of joke and sure. there's a dance i think with that and sometimes i get so I stubborn or stagnant or even um, just like I get so stayed in, in my intention that I forget that the that it is a dance and that there is some breathability and malleability um, with what you're supposed to be doing. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there can be things that you do for yourself and then there's things that you do for the audience and uh maybe there's a, a happy medium where the, tr the the my truth is somewhere in between those two things so but you know every everybody truly is different and everybody has like i've seen people who go on stage and they don't have any material prepared whatsoever and they thrive within the the discomfort of <laughs> yeah. and and you know sometimes you can get like a little gem out of that and sometimes uh sometimes you walk away and you you, you have nothing but uh, it, it just kind of varies i think that is what the beauty is of what you do as an artist as a comedian you know taking risk and putting yourself out there and you know, having that thick skin, I guess you could say, or whatever that skill set is that you have as a comedian. And that's what makes you successful, Drew. I, I'm fully convinced is because of that. I don't necessarily know that I could do it per se, but the strength and the courage and whatever that you protrude is great. Any comedian, really, because it brings joy to people like myself and our listeners and other people. Uh, and you turn out with great material that you've done you know whether it's televised or the special concussed which people can stream um and there's a million clips out there of you uh of and some of your stuff is hilarious i mean there are so many things that you talk about um that i just that i can relate to either on a personal level or that are just funny and mm -hmm. um it's great um if people want to kind of connect and Find out where you're traveling. Are you are you able to travel right now, or are you still kind of working things out a little bit in that sense? Um, I'm in LA right now, but I go on tour at the beginning of November and December, so I'm kind of in this lingo, or excuse me, in the limbo of of 
getting things ready for what's to come. Because once you get done with an hour, you dump it and you gotta start over. So that's the that's what happens now. But I'm hoping that uh, yeah, I think I'm hoping that some stuff will be uh, in the works when I go on tour in November and uh, December. We have been chatting with comedian Drew Lynch, and the special concuss is available now to stream. It's hilarious. If you have not had the chance to watch it, please do. We will link it in our show notes. And thank you for pressing play and being a part of today's episode. Uh, be sure to share this with a friend. Head over to Apple Podcasts. You can do that. It's easy or whichever device that you have in your hand. Drew, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Brett. I had, I had fun as well. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.